Welcome to the Product in the Enterprise podcast. I'm your host, Greg Prickrell. And in this episode, we are going to speak to Pavel Mukan. He is a software engineer at Arista Digital, where he is working with a team to develop a digital banking product with 8 million users. And Pavel is a strong proponent of behavior-driven development, BDD. This is a topic I knew nothing about. I found our conversation absolutely fascinating. I am mega excited about BDD. I hope you will be too. Let's jump right in. Pavel, thanks so much for being here today. I'm super excited about the topic of behavior-driven development. Can you first just tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Greg. Thanks very much for having me on your podcast. Sure, I'm a software engineer. I have 15 years of experience and I've worked with um, small companies and, and large enterprises. And um, I've seen different approaches to building software, different ways to do things. For the past years, I have been practicing BDD together with, uh, with our team. And I, I, um, I really love it. And one of my goals is to, to help software development teams to work better together. And we have so many tools and techniques that we can apply on an individual basis. And I, I think there's not enough out there to help us as teams. When I, I saw your uh, post on LinkedIn uh, the other day where you were mentioning about uh, uh, the biggest benefits for uh, PM teams are having a common framework, vocabulary, and set of expectations. So I immediately thought, Greg, I need to talk to you about behavioral driven development. Yeah, that's great. And I had never heard of it. And I spend a fair amount of time researching product development related topics. So can you kind of bottom line what BDD is, uh, maybe where it came from a little bit, if there's you know a relevant history there? Sure. So BDD was uh, something that was brought up by Dan North. You'll find a blog post written by him from a long time ago. And what he wanted to do basically is to, to help developers understand the behavior of software from a business perspective, right? To really understand the problems faced by business, because once developers get to know the domain better, then that this affects heavily how they build the software, how they write the test automation for the, for the software. And ultimately, BDD helps a lot with this communication gap between technical and non-technical people. If I would give a definition of BDD, it would be along the lines of, Agile methodology, it focuses on communication and collaboration. And uh, with BDD, we describe concrete examples of business requirements and business rules in an easy to understand language, business language. When the time comes to upskill product managers, many organizations turn to training, which can be a hugely valuable resource. The problem is without the proper follow-up, you risk not getting the return on investment that you expect as people very quickly go back to doing things the way they always did them. At Prickrell Consulting, we design specialized programs for organizations that combine training, coaching, workshops, and community to make sure that your product managers know how to do their jobs and that it sticks. For more information, visit us at prickrell.com. 
That means we don't use technical jargon or specific um, any details about implementation. And the framework of BDD consists of three steps. That's deliberate discovery, which is by far the most important, followed by formulation, and ultimately we have test automation. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of relevant stuff in there to unpack. I have not studied it deeply. I wanted to enter this conversation as kind of an initiate, like probably most of the listeners. But I would add that it took me a while to realize that the behavior we're referring to is the behavior of a system, not so much people, but what we're going to focus on. You know, this is kind of a technical perspective. We're building a system or we're building, let's say, a software product, and we're going to align around the behavior that we expect of the system or the product. Is that right? That's fully correct. And I would add, and I would ask you to think, why are we building the system? Why are we building the software? Because I think this is the critical part. If we think of the reason why we build software, it's, it's always to solve a business problem or to, to solve a customer problem. And in order to solve that problem properly, we really need to understand the problem. Yeah, this is right in my wheelhouse. For a long time, I've been a huge advocate of understanding the problem deeply before we move to the solution space. Yeah. So we have a definition. It's interesting that it's agile, that we align multiple disciplines around the behavior that we want to see out of the system that we're developing, that communication is super important. I'm wondering, how did your organization adopt BDD? What were the specific challenges that were coming up that you thought you could address? Tell us a little bit about how you actually got involved in using BDD. In, in our specific case, the, the main pain point was quality issues. So we've noticed people were fixing a bug in one place and then a few other bugs would appear in, in different places. So that was a, a big indication that we need effort on test automation. And then the, the challenge, the, the additional challenges we had were, okay, how do we write proper test automation? Additional things we had in the organizations were the, the, the teams were isolated. So we, we didn't have cross-functional teams, but rather front-end developers were in one corner of the building, business analysts were in, uh, in, in their own little uh, place, uh, back-end developers were isolated, the teams were not talking to each other. And there was a lot of blaming as well. You know, developers would say, ah, the business analyst didn't give me the proper requirements. Or the QA would say, uh, these developers, you know, they, they, they're making so many issues when, when coding. So the, we realized the communication was broken and we, we needed to, to find something to fix this. So uh, a couple of teams pi started piloting behavioral-driven development and to see how, how this, what benefits it brings and how we could solve these issues. Yeah, really interesting. And in what little I read, it seemed like there is some conflation of behavior-driven development and test automation. These things tend to have a strong affinity, and I wonder if some people confuse them. Can you go a little deeper into the relationship between BDD and, you know, like test automation or, yeah. 
Yeah, this is a really big misunderstanding. As I said, test automation is part of the methodology, but it's the last step. I like to call it actually the, the, the cherry on the top because it brings everything together. But the value of, of BDD is really working together, the communication and collaboration aspect and bridging that communication gap between technical and non-technical people. However, unfortunately, a lot of materials online are about test automation and people mistake BDD and, and understand it as a, a testing framework. And then that's not the case. What happens actually is, if we think about it, I'm gonna maybe get a bit um, uh, philosophical, right? When we think about software, why we build it, we build it to solve a problem. And what we, or what the customer cares about is generally the happy path, right? It's like when everything works well, because that's what solves his problem. We as technical people, developers, QA, we need to also consider all the edge cases, all the, the things that are causing problems, you know, invalid inputs and so on and so, so forth, like performance security. And what BDD helps us is to focus on the value that we are delivering. We create concrete examples of how software should behave. And the beautiful part of this is these concrete examples help us to create tests and these tests act as our living documentation. So we have basically specification of the system, which also tests the system, that, it, that it's working as expected. And I believe this is what, what caused a great deal of confusion. However, when we're talking about testing software, there's, there's multiple strategies. What we have found out is in, in our teams specifically, we, we love this approach but this is just one layer of testing. We, in our case, we, we do integration testing where we, um, we launch the application, it's a web application, and we have mocks. So that means our, our specification when we say, when I go to that page and um, uh, then I should see this section or I should be able to do this action, right? I'm not mentioning things like buttons or drop downs like specific ui elements i'm talking uh, only about behavior and these these specifications tell us every day is our software working as expected or not because they get tested these specifications also help us when when we build software so we had a we had a bug coming up recently for a feature we built four years ago. Because we had the specification there, because it was tested, we were able to quickly remember what this was about just by spending 20, 30 minutes with the, with the specification. So Pavel, I have a question. You've referenced a couple of times these concrete examples. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can contrast that with other types of maybe specification or descriptions that you see. A lot of people are already creating user stories. That's how they're driving development. Yeah. Can you describe, you know, what you see that is less concrete and the guidance that BDD brings around, you know, providing really concrete examples? Sure. 
there's if we take a look at the, um, I really like this book from uh, Gaspar Nagy and Seb Rose called Discovery: Explore Behavior Using Examples. This is this is uh, one of the first books I read on the topic a few years ago. And they also focus on the user story. So the user story can act as your starting place. And that's one, how can I call it? That could be one definition of the problem or the first, the starting block of understanding the problem. However, even, even this sometimes, you know, depending on who writes the user story, they can already set the path towards a solution. And I don't know, maybe can we take like a concrete example uh, of, of a problem, let's say. I think maybe that will help also the listeners to understand better what I'm talking about. I'm thinking of, let's say, let's say we have a, a store and the problem the store owner has is when it, whenever he runs out of stock, he loses customers, right? Because he can't sell the items that people are looking for. So if we were to imagine a user story, we could say something like, in order to not lose customers, as a store owner, I want to be notified when I run low on stock. Does this make sense to you, Greg? Sure. Good. Now, this idea of notification, it's already it's setting, a, it's setting a direction for the solution, right? With BDD, what we want to do is Let's say we come with the problem and the user story. That's fine. We come to the team. Our team, con team consists of product owner or whatever kind of customer representative, business analyst, designer, developer, QA, right? These five roles I think we generally find in software development teams. And now the teams start thinking about concrete examples. And they're, they're saying, if I have, as a store owner, if I have in my stock six MacBook Pros and I have a customer which buys one MacBook, then I get notified that I'm running low on MacBook Pros. Let's say this is the, a, a very easy example. Do, do you understand that example? Does it make sense to you? Sure. Right. What happens is as soon as I make this, as soon as anybody from the team makes this example, it sparkles a lot of ideas and questions and other follow-up examples from the rest of the team. So it's like, a, it's like a tree growing with examples. Because now we have to think, okay, is five the right number? What about the category of the product? Do we, um, maybe do we, we want a lower number for MacBooks because maybe we don't sell them that often, but we want a, a higher number for uh, USB cables because those are very in demand, right? So you start putting together different examples. You start thinking of the different dimensions. And then let's say, you, well, we talk, we said we notify the store owner. How do we notify the store owner? So we're like, Okay, let's say maybe we need a mobile application or maybe we do a SMS service where whenever the stock runs low, we send an SMS. Okay, so we have these kind of few examples. And what we can do now is take the examples from the team and we go to the store owner. And this is our first test where we, where we check the requirements, where we check the validity of what we're thinking about building. 
you like it so far does it make sense yeah it makes sense and pavel i want to kind of validate uh like an insight that i had and make sure i'm understanding this and when i think about user stories as the name denotes i am describing what a user wants to do what they expect those yeah. kinds of things and what we're really talking about here is more describing the behavior of the system in response to something that a user wants to do so it's really describing system behavior that we expect in yes. a way that we can just naturally test it and make sure that the system is reacting in a way that meets the needs of what are described in traditional user stories does that exactly. resonate yes exactly and just think about it like this medium right you just it's just text you just write it this medium is so easy to change in, in five minutes, you, you can dramatically change it, right? So let's say we take the, these examples to the customer, to our store owner, and he says, oh, wait a minute, you can't send me an SMS because I don't have my phone with me. And actually, we have a company policy that we don't really allow people to have smartphones with them. So this won't work. So then you start thinking, okay, how, how else can I notify you then, right? So you, you, you then get this quick feedback. That's why, you know, in terms of agile and then the agile mindset, you can think of this in, you can approach it in different ways. You can think of it, you can apply BDD in, in small iterations where you're making small changes, or you could apply it also like in, in bigger, let's say problem solving or system, uh, introducing a whole new system or a whole, a whole new feature. It depends of course, on the problem that you have in front of you. So, Pavel, I would like to validate another. I would like to, this is basically kind of mapping this to my mental model of sure, development. But I've been saying for a long time that in software development, especially when we talk about design, we think about UX, but that's a very limited view. So I have yeah. to I have to design the interface with what I'm building. But I have always said product managers have to design the product design the system so from a functional perspective i'm not talking about implementation here they need to describe the what what the okay. system will do so i have a user story that might say as a business owner i would like to be notified when stock gets low so that i can take preventative action whatever i can imagine that there is corresponding content that describes to me actually designs in a sense from a functional perspective what the product is going to do to address that situation. Is that a reasonable way of thinking about it? That, that's perfect. And Greg, this is why I wanted to talk to you because you you, you were mentioning uh, product managers in your post, right? Where you talked about this common framework, vocabulary and set of expectations. And one of the things that we've been doing internally in my company is uh, I've been training uh, product owners as well to help them facilitate the, these kind of meetings and these kind of deliberate discovery sessions, because I see them as bringing so much value. And it, it's exactly this. It's exactly understanding the behavior you want out of the system, designing the system, but by, by its behavior, not by its UI. If I'm honest, this is one of the things I dislike the, the most about uh, problem solving, software problem solving via UI designs. I, I, I don't like it. I think this is a good approach when you want to sell something, right? Like 
if I would need to sell my customer a particular feature or a particular system, I want to have an attractive UI. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So, but, but at the same time, I can't expect to give that UI to the developers and expect them to, to build it just based on the UI, right? So here's, here's the feedback that we got from our designer. We did the deliberate discovery phase with the concrete examples. We formulated them into scenarios. So formulation is, is basically taking those examples and um, uh, arranging them a bit in, in the, maybe you've heard about this given when then structure, which basically sets context, action, outcome. It's, I'm not gonna go into too much detail because it's it's a bit more technical, but it's basically putting those concrete examples a bit more into shape. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I have spoken a lot lately about the roles of like product management and engineering yeah. in product development in general. And I think there are a lot of people who think that product managers or POs, product owners, may come up with the user story. But in terms of determining what gets built, that's engineering's role. And I've never believed that. And I look at BDD as a concrete approach to specifying what the system should do. And, you know, I'm doing it in a group and everybody's contributing, but I'm accountable, yep. I believe, for describing what the system can do so that engineering can really focus. 80% of their time is spent on implementing that as well yeah. as they can, making it reusable. So it creates yeah. this collaborative way to really describe what this thing should do. And that resonates with me hugely. I can imagine yes. this massive value coming from this approach. Exactly. I'll, I'll, touch on the, I'll touch on the collaboration aspect and some benefits from that in a second. I want to tell you the feedback we got from our designer. So we did the deliberate discovery with the formulation and our designer then has this list of scenarios of software behavior, right? And he said, this is great. And this is what I refer to the, the second test or the, the, the framework that you create for your designer or your design team, because they have full creative freedom to build whatever UI. However, whatever they build needs to satisfy the scenarios, needs to satisfy the behavior. And yeah, that's great. That's great, Pavel. And I think that's probably an underserved concept that yep. these, these things are kind of codependent. So UI, UI design, what I want to do in the UI can have implications for how I design system behavior, how I factor it and those kinds of things. And yep. obviously what you're talking about is starting with what I expect the product or the system to do, and then thinking about how I expose that behavior to the users. Correct, yes. And then what, uh, I mean, in, in, uh, once the team has a shared understanding, a common understanding of the behavior they want to build, of course, the designer is going to start thinking and asking questions like, hey, is, is this a good approach for you guys in terms of, you know, for, for development implementation details? The development team starts thinking, uh, if, if we have this behavior, what kind of API are we looking at? What kind of uh, um, uh, problems we need to solve? Is this something that, that, as in, do we need to consider performance heavily? Is, is this something that needs to work real time or not, right? So 
each team then goes ahead and starts thinking about the the how because now you have a clear understanding of the what love it love it love it love and it i'll tell you like because we were talking about this uh, collaboration what happens and what what i've seen happening is motivation increases dramatically in the team because now you bring forward all the roles you stop doing this kind of you know um, a product owner with designer they get together and they they put together some designs and they think about how this should work then they pass this over to the development team then they code it they have accidental discovery which is the opposite of deliberate discovery right they accidentally discover edge cases they accidentally discover things that are not understood properly uh, there's this frustration and this kind of back and forth going on then between uh, between these two um, roles and then the development team pushes this forward to the QA and the QA gets frustrated that the, the, the developer didn't think about something, right? So what happens is we bring all of these roles forward. We want to have quality built in. We want to have feasibility built in, right? Because you have developer, you have a developer in the deliver discovery, you have a QA there. So they each of these roles brings their perspective. So motivation actually increases because everybody is now involved in building and shaping the product, shaping the end solution. Everybody's voice is heard from the very beginning. So motivation, I've, I've seen this happening with teams, you know, everybody gets so much happier overall. You have buy-in from everybody. Sure, so important. Pavel, I'm curious, I would like to move on a little bit and think about you know, there are a lot of people out there. I hope they're as half, you know, half as excited as I am about this. <laughs> I'm curious, what were some of the practical challenges that you faced or in general, what have you observed as people research this, decide they want to implement it? What are some challenges they need to prepare themselves for? Right. I think what what's happening, if, if we're honest, right, we, we have our plates full. All, all the teams, you know, they're 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 working on stuff. And I think the number one challenge is people thinking that this is complicated and they don't have time for it. So one of the things I'm trying to do is is uh, I want to help teams get started with it easily and to show them how easy it actually is to get started. And hopefully, at least somebody from the team can become this a bit knowledgeable person and can become a bit uh, a facilitator for these deliberate discovery sessions. So I would I would say the critical part is to write down concrete examples. Here's what I observed, Greg. I don't know if this if this happened to you in in your many years of experience. Whenever I had a kickoff meeting about a feature or a project or a new, new system, within the first five to 10 minutes, somebody was giving a concrete example. And they were talking along the lines of, let's imagine I am this user and I go to the checkout and I want to apply my coupon, but the coupon expired, right? So, so they actually, start telling a story which is very concrete have you experienced this i don't know i'm i'm curious yeah i think so and that is a red flag to me if we have this type of meeting 
and I don't hear concrete examples. That happens as well. And at that point, I know that we are answering a question nobody is asking. Exactly. So, so once once I started doing BDD, I was like, unbelievable. I can't believe I I I was in all of these meetings and all of these people saying these concrete examples, and nobody thought to write them down and use this as a basis for validating the behavior that we want to build with the customer, and then bringing this over to the team to to unwrap it further. So actually, in from my perspective. It's as easy as this to begin. Your team will definitely just pay attention to the next uh, meeting. Your team will definitely come up with concrete examples. The, all you need to do is just write them down and give space for other people to give concrete examples. And then if, if those examples need to be, if they're incorrect, which is great, right? You have somebody gives you an example and you're saying, no, it's not like that. It's like this. Write the correct example down and then write the follow-up example and write all the examples that come up from the other roles in, in, in your meeting, right? I think this would be a, um, a great way to start actually. Yeah, great, great advice, Pavel. I'm curious, you know, I want to do another session and go into more of like the actual practice and method around this thing. Yep. People are interested in getting involved. What resources would they would you point them to? Are you somebody who can help an organization get started with this kind of thing? Help help people take that first step. Sure. So of, of course, nothing beats um, your own research. So for for everybody listening, I I would say I can highly recommend the BDD books about discovery and formulation written by Gaspar Nagy and Seb Rose. These are rather short books. You can, you can read them in a, in, in a couple of afternoons. And uh, th these are materials that I've used myself. I would then also recommend the article from Dan North, where, we, where he explains the origins of BDD and, when, and how it came about to be. On, uh, on YouTube, for example, there's uh, Dave Farley. He also has a, a few great YouTube videos about BDD and common pitfalls of practicing BDD. And uh, where I could help is if you live in, in Central European area, so Vienna specifically or, or around, I also offer workshops for getting started with BDD and also um, um, to, to adopt this methodology, this way of working with your, your teams. So you can access bdd.academy and that's where you will find more information about how I can help. I, I, um, I have a three-step process. In the first step, what I thought makes the most sense is where teams can practice BDD without any concerns. You know, that you, get, you just get to know them, the motions. You get to get used to the methodology itself, the steps involved. And also because I said teams are usually reluctant to pick something new. I just want to show them how e easy it is to actually introduce the, this work, this into their workflow. And my second step is I want to actually tackle a problem that they have. So I want to then teach them how to apply BDD with a problem in their domain. So 
that's what I would offer to, uh, to people looking to find out more. Great. I'll make sure that these links make their way into the show notes. Pavel, can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Fascinating stuff. Can't wait to hear what the listeners think about this. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to going to the next level of detail. So thanks for being here today. Thank you very much, Rick, for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Pavel. I will put relevant links in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, give us a like, a share, tell someone else about us. That is the kindest thing you can do for a podcast like this. We'll see you next time.